Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. Amen. Thank you, sir. Glad you came tonight. Bless you. Thank you so much. Bless you. No, 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 no. I'm so glad they moved that so I can come up in the shade. Praise the Lord. I was going to bring my sunglasses and just wear, preach with my glasses on tonight. Hallelujah. No, I know it, may, it messes up the video, but uh, I'll just be ornery for a little bit, then I'll back up. So good to see you. Thank you for taking the time to come. I know your lives are super busy. Got a lot going on. And uh, there's something about forsaking, not assembling of yourselves together. If you can't come, you can watch online. That's great. But if you can come, it's so good to be here together. Paul said, I long to be with you that I might impart some spiritual gift. To the end, you may be established. Well, that word established, there's the word made to stand. So there's something about before the coming of the Lord. He wants us uh, in position, standing where we should be, not faltering. And if you, if you notice in the scriptures, the connection with the rapture of the church and the word steadfastness. Always wants us to be steadfast, not, not unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. So you can look at the earth, man, and how do people live without Jesus right now? I mean, it's just even sinners know something's up. I didn't say it this morning, but uh, there's movies about the rapture. There's movies about the end of the world. Well, the world's not coming to an end. Jesus is going to come save the world. But they, they got the walking dead, they've got uh, you know, all that stuff. So they, they sense a resurrection, but they don't know how to interpret it because there is a resurrection coming. Uh, the rapture of the church is going to happen here very soon. So, And there's a lot of people, even word people are like, ah, oh, we've been hearing that all of our lives. Well, they're fulfilling scripture right there because the Bible said they'd be scoffers in the last days. So they're, they're, they're another sign of themselves. So we, we didn't go through all the signs this morning. We kind of hit it hard and fast. So I'm going to give you about maybe five minutes to review, and I want to kick over and to get into what else we're going to get into. And uh, so we'll, we'll just see. I just want to stop and say before I even get into the Word, I'm so blessed to be with you guys. I've got to be with you guys on the road. I've got to be with the Boscos, their thought pattern, their, uh, the, the, this jazz worship that is the coolest there is on the planet. And I'm just, I'm just saying that because I'm here. I, I, I like that there is no equal for them. They have a niche on their own. So uh, it, think it not strange that at some point in time you come and you got 5,000 people here going, I'm going to come to church where the, I call them the flying Boscos, <laughs> where, the, where the flying Boscos are. And I'll, I'll, I'll be your second or third act before the main show or whatever. I'll, I'll sing and whatever. But they, their lives bless me because I've gotten to be around their children. And you can tell what people are like being around their children. And so uh, what a wonderful walk and a testimony of obeying God and loving Jesus and being normal. Normal is so good. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, so grab your Bibles. And, uh, you know, i got so many things I want to get into, but I want to back up for what I'm supposed to. So go back to Luke 21, and we'll back up for about five minutes about what we got into this morning. But I won't spend too much time because we want to keep going. So praise the Lord. I would love it. Is it going to freak? Well, if you should, please tell me if it's going to mess your video up so bad because we want flawless video. Doggone it. Come on. That's so much better. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I can see you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. 
Good night, everybody. Drive safely. All right, glad you came. So let's pray, and we'll get right into the Word, because we know the Lord wants to strengthen us. He wants to encourage you. He wants to lift you up. He doesn't want you to stay the same. He wants you altered in His presence. Father, we thank you. We thank you for, for what you did 2,000 years ago when you sent Jesus. Amazing that he would give his life. He would be beaten for us, tortured, so that we could have fullness of life. We're in awe of your thought pattern, Father. So I thank you for everybody here in this room tonight, that they, they have a, a reassessing of their assignments for God. May their assignments come to the uh, forefront right here before we're caught up. Just before the rapture of the church, Lord, help us all uh, fulfill what you've given us all to do. And Lord, what you've given Highway Church, what you've given the Boscos, we thank you for this season of, of great grace upon them, Lord. They, they hearken to the voice of the Lord, a stranger's voice they do not follow. I thank you. They trust in you with all their heart, and they lean not to their own understanding. In all their ways they acknowledge you, and you direct their path. In their pathway there is light, and there is no darkness at all. So Father, all of us in this room, a part of this church, we thank you for a great acceleration, a great explosion of the perfect will of God, souls being swept into the kingdom. We thank you for amplifying their voice right here in Taunton. We thank you for what you've given them to do, Lord. We thank you for such a completion and a season of boldness to walk with you. We thank you for it. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise, Lord. We, we, we love you. We honor you. We bless you, and we magnify you, Jesus. Thank you for redeeming us. In Jesus' wonderful name, everybody said amen. You know, I have to say, uh, just with you coming from IFC, uh, being with Pastor Del Turco up here years ago, and uh, coming all over New England, I love New England. They have so much fun, so many great memories here, so many great memories with the Del Turcos and, and all the churches all up through Maine and New Hampshire. Wonderful people, wonderful places. So there is something that was said over New England so many times, and so many things prophesied over New England. So how cool to be a part of what heaven has said over the years. So that's cool. You know, I preach in a lot of places that heaven has said nothing about it. <laughs> I preach in some places where the Lord didn't even know where I was, but the, the Lord knows where you are and knows about New England. So praise the Lord. Grab your Bibles and look at uh, Luke chapter 21, and we'll get right into some review for a moment. And man, I'm excited. If you come out tonight, we might go all night. So I, I don't normally, my biggest complaint is I preach too short, so I, 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 we're going to obey God. So buckle up, all right? Here we go. Luke 21, verse 24. And this is pretty neat how Jesus did this. He said, They shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And that happened in 70 A.D. Jerusalem was overthrown. I like to be flawless with timing like that because Jesus went to the cross on 30 A.D. Jerusalem's overthrown in 70 A.D., one generation. Exactly one generation later, it's overthrown. So we, we, we look at how flawless the Bible is here, and Jesus starts looking at timing and brings it into a city. When Jerusalem is won back. He said the times of the Gentiles is pretty much up. Wasn't that sweet? He didn't say there's going to be a lady from the middle of Iowa. Her name's going to be Barbara. And when her, when her hair turns pink and white, all of a sudden you'll know Jesus is about to come. Well, I don't have to fly to the middle of Iowa and find Barbara. I can see that Jerusalem was won back in my lifetime. The Six-Day War. We, you know, there's so much you can get into there. But let's run down a little further and, and watch Jesus get even clearer. Because that's pretty clear. So he said pretty much time's up. So then in verse 29, he, he spake to them a parable. We talked about it this morning. What's a parable do? It makes what he had just said open up to us and seem more clear. So he says, look at the fig tree. That's the nation of Israel. Israel is your timepiece. All right? How many wear a watch? Why do you wear a watch? So you'll be where you're supposed to be on time. You won't miss an appointment. So Israel's our timepiece. 
And he says, uh, look at the tr fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth their bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, freak out and run into the woods. No. He said, when you see these, these things, what things? These things, these things. What, what, what are these things? Israel coming back, to their nation, coming back as a nation in 48 and Jerusalem being won back in 67. That's what he's talking about. When you see these things, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. And then he said, Verily I say unto you, this generation, what generation? The one that sees those two events will not pass away till all is fulfilled. Now I know this is for you here this morning. This is a review, so I wanna, I'm going a little faster. He says, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any times your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that day comes upon you unawares. So you can be living when all the signs are happening and be so busy you don't even know it. The Message Bible says, don't, 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 don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by shopping. In other words, you can get so caught up in commerce that, that Jesus is about to come and people are oblivious to it. Kind of amazing. And then look at this verse that I didn't get into a lot of this this morning, but I like this. It will clear up some things for us when it comes to end-time preaching. He says in verse 36, Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. And I want you to see something. I don't have to pray to be accounted worthy. I am worthy. He's talking to Jewish boys here that are not saved yet. So the tone is different. You feel like you don't qualify because you don't qualify. He's fulfilling the law. After the resurrection, I'm him. Like the ten virgins, if you don't have oil in your lamp. He's not talking to the church there. He's talking to Jews. They need oil in their lamp because they're not saved yet. I've, I've got the maker of the oil in me. But people use that to bring fear on people. If you don't have enough oil in your lamp, you're not going up. He's not talking to the church there. Hang with me. That freak, usually when I preach that, it gets supernaturally quiet for a little while. <laughs> I mean, well, we've we got to find out uh, the rules are different after the resurrection. You're him. Whether you're comfortable with it or not, as he is, so are we in this world. Uh, my buddies call me the hangnail in the body of Christ. Well, but at least I'm in. Amen. So, so, so the qualifications there, because the rapture is so amazing, we, we're not gonna, I'm not going to preach on it tonight. I want to go further into some other things. But uh, you, you look at Enoch, you look at Elijah. They knew, Elisha knew the day Elijah would go up. Sons of the prophet said, don't you know your master is going to be taken from you today? He goes, yeah, I know it. Shut up. He knew the day he was going to be raptured. So in the Old Covenant, you got pictures of the rapture. you got Sodom and Gomorrah where, where, where the angels went in and said, we can't do anything here until we get the righteous out. So the righteous are about to be evacuated from the earth. Why? Because you have so much authority, he has to move you off the earth so the Antichrist could even be revealed. So we're blessed to be this, this group finishing the church age. I mean, you look at, you look at John and, and Peter and... Matthew and all those guys, I don't think they look at each other and go, we're starting it, this is the coolest thing ever. They were just like, man, hold on, what are we doing here? Let's run with this. And, and, and at the end of the church age, we may not have all our ducks in a row, everything just right, but let's go for it, let's give it our all. Just like in a football game, the two-minute warning, you don't think about, well, did I practice well enough this week? Did I drop a pass or not? No, the two-minute warning, you think i got to hustle. I can't stand it when I'm watching the quarterback not pay attention to the play clock. Because I have friends go, well, why would you want to know about the coming of the Lord? Tell a quarterback to not look at the play clock, see how well he does. If he doesn't look at the play clock, he doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to get uh, urgent. Yep. I think I'll do Elvis on that one. Urgent. You got, so there's an urgency that comes with seeing the clock tick down, and yet people kind of go, yeah, I don't believe it's time. Well, as we go through all the signs, we went through them this morning, we're the generation. So you've got the Hebrew language restored. Ethiopian Jews brought back. You've got the fertility of the land of Israel. I didn't even talk about that this morning. Amazing. They found more oil in the Golan Heights than all of Saudi Arabia. Radical. Israel's the only nation that has more trees since they've been keeping count than any nation on the planet. 
they're just blessed. <laughs> uh, you could get into hours on that. The grass up on the Golan Heights is flush, dark green. You can see where Syria starts. No one has to tell you. It's dirt. <laughs> and then you look at Israel, and you're like, to get my grass to look like their grass, I've got to use Scott Super Turf Builder, and I've got to fertilize it and sprinkler it continually to get it to even look close like, like the grass in Israel. I even told my buddy, I go, do you guys fertilize that? He goes, are you crazy? God's word said, I'll bless the land. So you have all these things. You have the, the revival of the Roman Empire. Did anybody look at the, the Capitol building in Strasbourg, France? You look at how it's built just like the Tower of Babel? Crazy. You have 170 different species of predatory birds. You've got fish in the Dead Sea. This one that happened two weeks ago still blesses me. The water in the Dead Sea turned blood red where Sodom and Gomorrah is. And I saw that, even talked about it, didn't even realize it was on the Day of Atonement. I mean, it's crazy. So you have all these things happening right now right before the coming of the Lord. Just little, little things. The ritual baths around the Temple Mount fill up with water. Sea of Galilee overflowing. All the, all the things that you have, the Bible said you see foxes showing up on the Temple Mount. So you got birds in position, animals in position. You got Russia in position, and what's the church doing? Is it really the last days? Really? I mean, I have friends going, if you preach on the coming of the Lord, just get everybody's hopes up. That's exactly right. It's the hope that purifies you even as you're pure. So we talk about all this because it's just like a wedding. Uh, I, I mean, I said it this morning. How, how bummed would you be if your, your wife's walking down the aisle and she's all sad and you're, you're standing there? That's, that's the Lord right now because everybody's like, I, I'm, we don't even know we're about to get, have a marriage. So there's great changes coming in such a short period of time. We're going to be caught up. We're going to come back with Jesus at the second coming. You're going to see uh, nature be altered right there at the second coming. The stars won't shine anymore. The sun won't give its light. And all of a sudden, this brightness out of the throne of God, it'll come shooting out of there. And it's the face of Jesus of Nazareth. doesn't say there's no sun. There's just no need for the sun because the glory that's in his face outshines it. And we'll be right there behind him on white horses coming down to the earth. You'll see all of creation bow. All of creation is going to hit their knees. The Bible says there'll be no more mountains because it's so violent at the second coming. Wow. Because the earth's shaking because God's coming back. And you're going to be right there with him. Woo, hallelujah. How cool is that going to be? You talk about you got a ticket to ride. Come on. We'll be flying right down like that. You're going to see all of creation bow in adoration for the entrance of the king. Wow. So that, that's coming, and that's what we get excited about. So tonight, I want to go into a, a, something a little different. Not different, but just take a turn. We talked about this up in wherever we were together in Effingham. Hey, I'll give you a couple from where I was. I was in Mattoon uh, a couple weeks ago. You remember Mattoon's not there far from Effingham. I had a word of knowledge that someone had a metal plate in their head. I mean, I have weird words of knowledge. You know, I saw a woman fly fishing at Scott Webb's church, catch a hook in her eye. Saw a woman go through the front windshield of her car one time. Saw a man working out in the pulpwood field, and this cable swung around, hit him on the back of the head, called it out. He was there. Uh, so weird words of knowledge. So in Mattoon, a couple weeks ago, I had a word of knowledge. Someone's got a metal plate in their head. And so after the service, I said, you're being healed. This woman walks up to me. She goes, I have a metal plate in my head. I have a screw loose. I said, wait a minute. You have a, you, I said, you have a loose screw in your head? I said, come, I thought she's messing with me. I said, seriously? She goes, yeah. I said, how do you know? She goes, I can shake my head. I can hear it. I'm like, oh, my God. She said, the doctors want to take me back in, open me up, and tighten that screw down. She said, when you call that out, whoop, the screw went tight in my head. I said, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so the Lord's so good. If you've got, you got loose screws, he can take care of you, all right? So I want to get into what the church is supposed to look like tonight because we know, we know the signs of the coming of the Lord. You've got the signals. You, there's all this stuff going on. Men will be lovers themselves. We have selfie sticks. We have all this stuff showing us how close we are. 65 some odd signs in our generation. 
our generation is going to see him face to face. Hallelujah. And I used to say, you know, I do that end of days update every week, and I say, I think we got a little bit of time. I don't think we have a little bit of time anymore. I think we're there. So, so we're blessed. What a wonderful change to all of a sudden get a glorified body. Man, I'm in. Hallelujah. Won't that be fun? So grab your Bibles. I want to get into what we're supposed to look like. Let's, let's look at the Scripture tell us how to function just before we're caught up. Why not go back to the book and go, okay, there's a picture of what the last day church is supposed to look like. I can step into that and just do it. Not just hear about it, but do it. So grab your Bibles, and uh, you just turn wherever you think you ought to turn. We'll see if you're flowing. Here we go. <laughs> now, why don't you go to James for a second. James chapter 5. And these are verses that you know so well and have heard many times, but I want to get to something that's going to help us see how we're supposed to walk. Praise the Lord. I believe we can do it in the amount of time we have. Hallelujah. Uh, glory to God. James 5. You know the verses so well, and you've, you've known it. James chapter 5, you know, is an end time chapter. He talks about latter rain. He talks about the church is uh, waiting for the precious, God's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth, has long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. Then he said, Be ye also patient, stabilize your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. So there's that part about being stable. And then he finishes up with talking about Job a little bit, talking about end times will be double of what the book of Acts was. And that's cool. And then he goes, because I'm not getting into all that tonight, but I want to get down to verse 16. He says, Confess your faults one to another. This is James 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. I've never been to a confessing fault service of you. That's kind of weird. <laughs> He's just trying to show you that regardless of your frailty in the flesh, obey God. So he says here, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. He said, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And yet he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So here he finishes off the church age talking about the ministry of Elijah. Not that we're going to be weird prophets or, you know, be goofy, but that people can see that God is with us. Yeah. Like Elijah's ministry, you don't hear one word about his preaching, do you? Same thing with Jesus. They didn't say, man, he is an orator. They said, no, listen to the authority at which he speaks. Here, you see a picture of what the church is supposed to look like. If Elijah could dictate natural atmosphere, the church will dictate spiritual atmosphere. Amen. Okay, And really, the whole purpose is here to see that God is with you. Nothing weird or strange. People should be able to look at the church and know that God's with us. Yes. <coughs> I was preaching in Tucson, Arizona years ago at Bruce Brock's church. I was just in Tucson two weeks ago. A lot of people had come from that church, and that church is still doing great. His mom used to play the organ for William Branham. So it's so cool to hear the stories, you know. So I was there preaching one time, gosh, 1989, maybe 1990. And the Lord was having me talk about reality TV. You know, back then there was no reality TV. So I said, okay, what's the most uh, famous thing? The, the, the deal's going to be reality TV. God's going to show people reality. People are going to be acting out miracles and stuff right there on live TV. It won't be reenacted. It'll just be happening. So I said, what's the most popular reality TV show on? And this man yelled out, Baywatch. I said, that's not reality TV. That's about as far from reality TV as you can get, right? I mean, I mean, 2,000 people there, he goes, Baywatch! I'm like, no, that's not reality TV. So I started talking about William Brandom, started talking about A.A. Allen, and talked about uh, Brother Shambach and all those guys, and about that baby that got healed in Birmingham, Alabama, that had no arms, no legs. Had a hole uh, where their eyes were, a little hole for her nose, hole for her mouth, but, but just completely deformed. And Brother Shambach said the woman that had that baby had been hammering him. When's Brother Allen going to pray for my baby? He said, well, if your card's not called out, you know, there's 10,000 people there. If your card's not called out, I'll make sure the baby gets prayed for. 
Well, the last night of the meeting, and I'm telling the story in Tucson in 1989 or 90. The last night of the meeting there in Birmingham, uh, Brother Allen said, hey, we're going to take up a faith offering. And Brother Shambach said, I didn't even know what that was. He goes, well, it's an offering you can't afford. That woman with the baby brought her $15 down, put it in the bucket like this. He said, why do you know that? Brother Shambach got off the organ and walked over there and saw how much money she put in. It was concerned for her because she's got to drive back to Tennessee because she'd come a long ways to bring her baby there. So he was concerned for her. So no problem. He goes, you know, God's so cool. Now, it's amazing that Shambach gets off the organ and goes over there and looks at her offering. Because, see, Jesus looked at their offering. So, uh, so Brother Allen is in the middle of his message. If you're ever seeing the videos of him, they were showtime, go time. You ever, you ever, I mean, it was like the 50s uh, tea time movies. Folks, I tell you tonight, under the big tent, we'll have the Lord moving really powerfully under Brother Allen's ministry. I mean, it was crazy. It was bizarre. But Brother Allen gets up there, and all of a sudden he goes, wait a minute, I'm not here. Here comes the word of knowledge. He goes, I'm up in an OB ward in Tennessee. I see the doctors talking over this baby. They said the baby can't live, but it's alive and it's here tonight, yeah. but it's deformed. Boy, Shambach's ears perked up. He goes, you know, that's that baby has been hammering me all week. That's the lady that has the baby. And they went and got the baby. Brother Shambach said, I normally close my eyes when I pray. He said, but I wasn't going to miss that miracle. He said it sounded like cordwood. Snap, snap, snap. Little, the little baby got arms right there in front of everybody, legs right there in front of everybody. White little swirls came where their eye, the little baby's eyes were. Got brand new eyes, brand new nose, brand new mouth right there in front of everybody. You talk about freaking out. You talk about rejoicing. Oh, come on. Seeing the works of Satan annihilated just like that. So everybody freaks out. They're rejoicing. Also, the, the, Brother Shambach said it seemed like everyone just knew to do this. They turned and looked at the stretcher section. 300 people on stretchers, not a hand laid on them. Every single one of them got off the stretcher. Pretty cool. Well, that's pretty cool. Baby gets recreated, stretcher section. Everyone in the stretcher section gets healed. They, everybody seemed like they knew to turn around. When they turned around, there was a busload of blind people that were late, uh, didn't know how to get to the tent, and they were lost. Well, they're midway through the service. This is right in the middle of his preaching. Every single one of the blind people that walked off that bus when they came in the back of the tent, every one of them got their sight. Amen. Now, see, our generation hasn't really seen anything like that. Because This man walked up to me in the lobby of that, 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 that church there in Tucson uh, in 1990. He goes, hey, I'm A.A. Allen's son. I said, well, nice to meet you. I'm Billy Graham. I'm used to people playing jokes on me. I really did. We talked about people playing practical jokes. I said, well, nice to meet you. I'm Billy Graham. He goes, no, no, no. I'm A.A. Allen's son. And he was older and just looked like he had a tough life. He goes, you know what? Those miracles were great for my dad's day. He said, but I see a day where believers are functioning just like those few. And that's why God's raised you up for that. It's for right now. So you can function, not, not have the ministry of Elijah, but people can see that God is with you. Okay? So with that, let's go look at it. Go over to Thessalonians. Let, run back with me, and we're going to get into what I'm going to get into. It just takes me a little bit of time. So just cut me a little slack at the beginning, and then we'll get there, all right? How many glad you came? Come on. How many glad you're here? You're not in jail. Come on. All right. All right. Woo. Okay. Look at 1 Thessalonians, and you, I know you know these verses, but I'm going to get somewhere with them. So, so look at them with me for just a minute. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Skip down to verse number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. What happens when you elect? You just step in and serve, even if you don't feel qualified. So knowing that, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. As you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. He said, and you became followers, that's the word mimickers or imitators. You became mimickers or imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word 
in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So here they heard one message that said, I can look like Paul, act like Paul, and I can act like Christ. Yeah. Now I've heard message after message, well, if you travel with the right guy, the right anointing will get on you. Here, he says right here, this message so liberated them, it made them feel like they could act like Paul and act like the Lord. They began to imitate Jesus and Paul. What was that message? Simplistic authorization. <laughs> Jesus goes, I'm not going to be here. You're here for me. Act in my stead. And you know what they did? They began to do it. And all of a sudden, the ministry of Jesus explodes because they're duplicating his ministry. They begin to imitate him. How cool is that? So, so what is it about authorization that makes it happen? How, how many of you ever drove before you had your license? I grew up in Louisiana, so we hauled hay. And uh, I was driving the truck when I was 7, driving it when I was 8, driving when I was 9, driving when I was 10. I was on the freeway when I'm 11, driving a truck with hay behind me. And I'm thinking, man, I can't wait to actually get legal. So in Louisiana, <laughs> you know what I mean, you feel kind of weird, you know. So in Louisiana, you get your license when you're 15. So when I'm 14, I'm driving like I was 35. And so, but I still couldn't wait to get that little tag, you know, because once you got that license, you just, it just produces peace. So simplistic authorization, it, it brings you boldness. Just like in, in Europe, you know, I, I, go, I used to go to Germany about twice a year. I haven't because of COVID lately, but used to because my sister and brother-in-law ran Rama Germany, and they're in charge of all the schools in the Middle East and Africa and Europe. Anyway, blah, blah, a lot of stuff to oversee. So I loved going to Germany because there's no speed limit. There's nothing cooler than like John and Michelle took me from Bonn over to Brussels, 160 miles an hour, and people are passing us. I said, man, this is godly. This is the way it's supposed to be. That We would have been going faster, but we had a yellow sticker on our dash because our tires weren't rated at more than 160, so we had to stay under 160, and cars were going past us at 160. I said, man, I like this. So this is how they think. You know, I had a pastor drive me from Frankfurt uh, down to Zurich. His name's Arthur Ar uh, uh, um, Weimer. He pastors a church up in Gifhorn, Germany, where they make Volkswagens. So he drives me from Frankfurt to Zurich, and he keeps it at red line for three hours. Red line. I said, Arthur, don't you ever want to take it off of red line, let the motor rest a little bit? He goes, why would I do that? I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, we're, we're driving as fast as the car can go with it, with it pegged in the fog. You can't see 50 feet in front of you. We're going 100-something miles an hour. And I'm thinking, these guys are crazy. See, it's just in them to max it out. If you've been authorized to max it out, they max it out. You can tell an American. You see an American on the Audubon here going like, oh, here we go. I mean, but, but wouldn't it be ridiculous? This is the church. You, you, got, a, you got a guy on the Audubon in a 911. Maybe it's a GT3. It's 570 horsepower. And he's buzzing along at first gear. Like, dude, you got six more gears. You could be going 200 miles an hour. How ridiculous would it be to be going 70 when you can go 200, when you have all that power? It'd be a waste of power. That's the church. Church has been authorized to be just like Jesus. And we've settled for, for Mickey Mouse. So with that, let's go look at something else. Hang with me. Go, go, go over to Luke, Luke 9. You know, I was preaching in California in a church before I moved out to California. I'd moved out there to work for about, uh, travel out of a church for about five years. So glad to be back in Oklahoma. But I was preaching in this church in Murrieta, California. And uh, I was preaching along, and a buddy of mine had brought these PGA golfers there. So they've never been in the Holy Ghost Church. They're, they're in the back there, and they're all just kind of coming to see what it's all about. you know. So I, I'd forgotten all about that they were there. And I had a word of knowledge at the end of the meeting that someone had damage in their calf. I said, it looks like it's varicose veins, but it's not varicose veins. It's like somebody hit you with a two before. And this man yelled out, damn, 
he cussed. He goes, that's me. I'm like, wow. So the, the, the golfers in the back are like, that, that guy just cussed out loud. He goes, that's me. I got hit by two before. He was at Lowe's. This thing fell off on this board, hit him in the back of the leg. He was going in for surgery to have his uh, uh, vein repaired. Not, not varicose veins, but like it. And I even said, it's like somebody hit you with a two before. Well, the man gets healed and cussing in church. Right, right. Amen. And I actually was preaching on the gifts of the Spirit there. And there was a man they brought down in the front. And they wanted me to pray for him before the service. He was laid out in the back. And I didn't know that he had kidney failure, but he was a drug addict. So he was not a good recipient for a new kidney. So I didn't know that, but he just looked like he was going to die. They said, will you pray for him? I said, yeah, let's wait till the end. So I prayed for the guy that cussed, prayed for some other guys, you know. And then I walked over to the guy that was laying there on the back there, and they had brought him up, and he's sitting on the front row. He won't look at me. He's just bowed over like this. I mean, the guy looks like he's going to go and be the Lord right there. So I said, hey, buddy, look at me. He won't look at me because, you know, the, in, the entrance to your soul is your eyes. So I said, look at me. He won't look at me. So I got on the floor. I said, hey, buddy, healed people ought to get up. I said, I command your body to be healed right now. Now, I don't know what's wrong with him, so I'm just doing this because I know what Jesus did. Yeah. Jesus healed him 2,000 years ago. Right. I said, get up. You're healed right now. The guy jumped up, started doing the chicken and the swan, started going like this <laughs> across the front. This is the David Ellis' church. He freaks out, prayed for a bunch of other people, and they were, they were instantly healed. And David got up and said, if you'll notice, every single person that was prayed for tonight was instantly healed. And see, we, we heard that prophesied that we'd see that, but yet it happens and there's no fanfare and people don't think it's any big deal. Every single person instantly healed. No cameras, no lights, no Elvis, you know, because they heard a message that so liberated them they can be just like Jesus. Watch this. Go to Luke 9. Watch. Watch this. Luke 9. Luke 10. Luke 9. Look at Luke 9. Let's go to Luke 9. Pick out a Luke. You got your Bibles there? Look at Luke 9. Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. In verse 2, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Well, you know what happens with the twelve? Guess how long it took them to duplicate his ministry? Instantly. How long did it take them to get into that flow? Instantaneous. They didn't wait six years, didn't wait five years. They started duplicating his ministry instantaneously. Well, you say, well, that was the 12. You know, they're blessed to get to be part of the 12. We'll go over to Luke 10. Look at Luke chapter 10. Watch this. Luke chapter 10, look at verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed another 70 also, sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he would come. And guess what happened to the 70? Uh, they, they, they had so much results when they saw Jesus that even the devils are subject to us in your name. How long did it take them to duplicate the Lord's ministry? Instantaneous. We think, well, I'm going to step into that flow. He authorized you. So here, they were so freaked out, the Lord said, don't rejoice that the devils are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He said, of course they're subject to you. Devils started crying out when Jesus walked into town, even before he preached. Instant submission. Have you come to torment us before the time? I think of John Osteen telling that story years ago. I'm getting closer to my message. We'll get there in just a second. John Osteen, years ago, he had a minister friend. No feedback. I love having said it. God bless you. A minister friend of his afraid of the devil. Can you imagine that, being a minister afraid of the devil? And here the devil appears to that minister in this dark cave, and he's walking down this cavern, and that minister's standing there. Oh, my God, there's the devil right there. He's coming right toward me. What am I going to do? The very thing I've been afraid of is happening right here. Lucifer's walking right toward him. All of a sudden, just as the devil's coming toward him, he's standing there. All of a sudden, Jesus appears in front of him with his back to that preacher. And as Lucifer walks up, Jesus backs into that man. And while he backs into that man, he said, Jesus told Lucifer, you have to get on your knees and bow because I live in that man. 
Oh, come on. So here you have the 70. The 70 duplicate his ministry instantly. How'd they do it? Great teaching, great preaching. Didn't say a word about their teaching and preaching. Jesus authorized them. Okay, go back to Luke 9. Look a little further. We're getting closer, getting closer, getting closer. Luke 9, look at verse 49. You got your Bibles there? Luke, Luke 9, 49. John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in your name, and we forbade him because he didn't travel with us. And Jesus said, Forbid him not. He that's not against us is for us. This guy hadn't even been authorized, but he had enough brains to see what worked. Why not take what the early church had? That's what you were singing on this morning, the name of Jesus. The early church, they, they were so threatened to don't preach anymore in that name because that was where the source of their power was. I was in Italy one time years ago, Le Dispoli, right outside of Rome. There was a fire conference. People had all come from Sweden, Norway, a lot of Scandinavian nations. I was surprised to see that many people come from the north there. And so I had a word of knowledge that someone had cancer. So about 15 people came down, and I wasn't thinking, I was thought it might be one or two, but actually a little girl came down, about 12 years old, had a big bandage around her head. And, and a lady walked over to me and said, she's got really bad cancer, but she really doesn't know what all's wrong with her. I said, well, it doesn't matter. It's okay. Now, I have an Italian interpreter, and the only Italian I know is what Pastor Del Turco's taught me. <laughs> so, so I'm kind of frustrated because my Italian interpreter wasn't saying things like I want to. Cause, so while I'm standing in front of that little girl, she's got cancer all through her brain, I'm not thinking about how long I've been in the ministry. I'm not thinking about what Bible school I go to. I'm thinking about a name that's been given unto me, that that cancer has to bow to the name of Jesus. It's not about us. It's who about you got walking in you and you're carrying. So I'm standing in front of her. I'm not thinking about my qualifications. Because I've got a name that fixes everything. So I said, in the name of Jesus, I command that cancer to die right now and be gone from her. And the interpreter said it. You know, well, the parents didn't like that. They kind of walked back like this, like I hadn't done enough. So they came back to about the second row, even leaned forward like this, like that's all you're going to do is say something. So I got my interpreter. I said, now you scream at them and tell them. I said, she's healed. Now, if I'd gone like this, she's healed. They'd have gone, oh, man, he's flowing. Because we, we, we want something in the flesh. I flew back from Rome to Tulsa. The pastor there, Jeff Schroeder is his name, said took the girl to the hospital. I didn't know she had two weeks to live. They'd given up on her. They took her to the hospital. Cancer's gone from her brain. Amen. Come on, the name. the name. So see, this guy used his name and didn't even know how to do it because he hadn't even been qualified, but he saw what worked. If someone that's outside can use something that we got and get instantaneous results, what's wrong with us? Come on. Hang with me. Hang with me a little bit. I'm getting closer, getting closer. I think of Brother Hagen. I'll tell you a, a, a neat Brother Hagen story. And then we'll get closer to what I'm going to land on. We're getting there. Kenneth Hagen had a guy that had full-blown sugar diabetes. The pastor, you know when you have sugar diabetes, you've got to adjust your insulin manually. So your blood sugar level is not being taken care of by your pancreas. So his blood sugar level is too high. Listen to what Brother Hagen did. He, he developed his walking authority. He said to this pastor, he's going to go travel with him for two weeks. Brother Hagen said, while you're near me, you won't register any sugar. That pastor goes, what? He goes, no, you won't, because within my realm of authority, you, you won't register any sugar. The guy ate cakes and pies. What are you supposed to do it? He checked his sugar level the next morning. He goes, beats anything I've ever seen. It's normal. Amen. He goes, man, I wish I could do that. Brother Higgins said it doesn't come by wishing. It comes by believing. Yeah. Yeah. There, was, there was a residue of two weeks after that man got home that he didn't have to add any insulin to his uh, body because his pancreas came alive. An organ in the guy's body came alive, getting near Brother Hagen, because Brother Hagen said, while you're near me, your pancreas will come alive. Amen. Eventually, the guy got healed and didn't have sugar diabetes anymore. 
So see, that's just developing your authority. Brother Hagen, he called that the edge of authority. Not even authority. He said some of us have tasted the edge of it. <laughs> How cool is that? Now hang with me. Uh, I was preaching in, in Europe when you're, this is in the mid-90s, back when the God Channel was in Newcastle, England. They interviewed me on the Gifts of the Spirit because I was on the God Channel. So the owners of the God Channel said, hey, we want to do a Gifts of the Spirit interview with you. Sure, sure, I'll come. So I'm there in Newcastle, and they had hired a man to interview me because long interview on the Gifts of the Spirit. While he's interviewing me, he's, he goes, holy cow, because he's freaking out because the answers I'm giving him, I come to find out the guy's not even saved. I'm having the hardest interview ever because this guy that's not even born again is interviewing me. He doesn't even know what I'm talking about. I had a, a woman in Topeka, Kansas, I was preaching. Youth group was talking because he had this story that was written down and was given to him. They had given to him, so he's asking me this story. The youth group was talking, so I couldn't get them to stop talking, so I went back there to try to get their attention. So I walked back there, and they still talked while I was standing there. That didn't work. So I said, okay, everybody under 21, stand up. So I said, you guys got to pay more attention than everybody else because the Bible says the young people get it before the old people will. And they still talked while I had them standing up. So I thought, well, that didn't work. <laughs> so then I had a word of knowledge. The Lord said there's someone there with damage in their knuckles. This lady came down. She had one finger like this. These fingers were severed off. I said, Lord, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking arthritis, not no fingers. Well, I said, Father, I thank you for new fingers for that woman. Boom, her fingers grew out right there in front of everybody. You didn't have to tell the youth group to get quiet when they saw that lady get her fingers. I mean, it basically, it, it, it kind of uh, is the deal. So this guy that's interviewing me that's not even saved is freaking out. So I'm going, man, this is not going very good because he doesn't even know what I'm talking about. So a lady that was elderly there was there. She was working on the place there at the God Channel. She came over and talked to me. She said, you know, Newcastle, England's where Wigglesworth got filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, I'd heard that, and how cool to be in Newcastle, England, where Wigglesworth you know, got baptized in the Holy Ghost. She said, let me tell you a story about Wigglesworth. I said, yeah, tell me. She said, you know what? He had a, a lady that had died at one of these churches, and he went to her memorial service. This woman had gone home to be with the Lord, and they're at the memorial service for her, and the Holy Ghost comes on Wigglesworth, special faith, working of miracles, gifts of healings, and says, go raise the woman up. Now watch. He goes over to the coffin. Now you think how crazy this is. Goes over to the coffin, picks the woman up, and throws her against the wall and says, walk in Jesus' name. Boom, she hits the floor. Now, if that had been me... I would done an army crawl. I'd gotten real low. <laughs> I'd done an army crawl. Or I'd made a new door. I'd have walked, I'd have walked out of the building right there. I'd go, I'm an idiot. He's not even moved. Watch, it's not even faced. He picks the dead woman up, throws her against the wall. Wham! I said, walk in Jesus' name. Boom, she hits the floor again. That's where you go to the family. I am so sorry. You walk over there and you go, I've lost my mind. You know, sorry. Could you imagine picking up a woman in a funeral? Much less throwing her against the wall. He's not moved. Picks her up a third time, throws her against the wall. I said, walk in Jesus' name. Bam, she comes alive. She said, I'm in heaven talking to Jesus, and all of a sudden I hear you screaming at me, walk in Jesus' name. Can you imagine that? Now, now what, the amazing thing about that is, you know, think of what, what Wigglesworth taught. Hang with me. What did Wigglesworth teach? Name of Jesus, yes. righteousness, faith, yes. all the things you've been hearing for 45 years. It's been drilled into you, so you have a platform for the miraculous. Yes. This authorization is a platform for the miraculous. See, if I just got up tonight and said, I'm going to teach on the name of Jesus, people start yawning because we know so much about it. Oh, that went over good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Okay, I guess I'll preach over here. Is anybody back here in the back part of the building want to hear this? Let's see. Does this door open up, Pastor Joseph? Let's just see if it does. God, glory to God. Might as well. It's locked. <clears throat> 
Well, <clears throat> could you imagine? You know, do you, can you, you think of Smith Wigglesworth's books, The Seven Steps to Raising Somebody from the Dead? No. No. No, no. Righteousness. The name of Jesus. Faith. The things that we have been drilled into us through the last 40 years. It's in you. You don't have to wait for There's a season coming. This is going to come on me. No, you got it. All right, go, go a little further. Here we go. Let's go. Let's go. Go back to Matthew. Now, I know you know all of this, and I know that. I'm just talking about what we're supposed to look like before we leave. Look at Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28, and we'll, uh, we'll do a little bit more than we'll see what the Lord wants to do. Matthew 28, you know the verses so well. Skip down to verse 17. You know, this is right when Jesus was raised from the dead. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And in verse 18 of Matthew 28, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power or all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Remember, he said, I am he that was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and hell. So he has all this authorization, and he instantly gives it to the church. So, so we've heard that all of our lives. We know this. We know it's authorization, blah, 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 blah. What he said in the Greek was, I'm giving you a right to act or freedom of action. In other words, I'm basically giving you the go-ahead to go for it. Because we have a tendency to be real cautious about you know, not wanting to freak people out. He basically said, I'm giving you a right to act on my behalf. In his place, in his stead. He's not here, you're here. This is how we got to finish up the church. So this is what they heard. I'm giving you a right to act. I'm giving you freedom of action. I think of that. I think of, uh, how many of you like Brother Eastwood? How many of you like Clint Eastwood? About half of you. Like, I, I like Brother Eastwood. My dad took me to Clint Eastwood movies when I was younger. I shouldn't have gone to him. My mom would take me to meetings. You know, my dad would take me to Clint Eastwood movies. How many of you remember Dirty, Dirty Harry? You remember Dirty Harry? Remember Magnum Force and all those ones like that? As a kid, my dad took me to Dirty Harry. I never should have seen that movie as a kid. But you remember the iconic scene where, where Clint Eastwood stands there, and he goes, he goes in all the confusion. If you're a lucky punk, 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world. You're asking, did I shoot five times? Did I shot, shoot six times? Go ahead. Make my day. I mean, it's iconic. Make my day. The guy laying on the ground thinks he's going to blow his brains out. But you know what? It's not real. It's a movie. What happened was... Uh, Clint Eastwood's from California, probably doesn't even like guns. But he's a professional, so he said, okay, we're going to make you, we're going to get you to do this, all of a sudden we're going to have you, we're going to have you act like you're going to shoot the guy, and we're going to take this prop, it's a fake 44 Magnum, but man, what, you, what I want you to do, the director goes, what I want you to do, when I say action, you go over there and you make it look like you're going to shoot the guy. So you know, the movie is amazing, Clint Eastwood gets over there with that fake gun, and, and he gets over there, and man, action, and all the confusion, you feel lucky, punk, I mean, acts it out, it's just amazing. See, how, how dare Clint Eastwood, see, his script's not real. I have a holy script right here. That's right. How dare somebody with a fake script be bolder than people with a real script? Come on. See, the problem is in the movie, in the movie, people are, well, we get a hold of the word, we think we're the victim on the ground. We're not the victim on the ground. Right. And then we get a hold of a little bit more word, all of a sudden someone thinks they're Clint Eastwood. No, you're not Clint Eastwood. You're, you're Jesus in the movie. Right. He's gone. You're his stand-in. Yeah. The reason why people don't do what they should do is they don't know their lines. Could you imagine Clint Eastwood getting up there and all the uh, confusion in the world feel lucky, punk? I mean, it just takes the edge off of it. So here God's put all this word into our generation. All this word. So we know who we are in Christ. We understand the moving of the gifts of the Spirit. 
We know what the foundation for the miraculous is. It's just what Jesus said, I'm giving you authority to go just for me. So literally, it's set up for us right here before we exit. I'll give you one of Ross and I. You probably heard me tell the story. I don't want to bore you, but... Uh, I was ushering in a church in Tulsa. wasn't full-time in the ministry. didn't want to be in the ministry. I'd worked for a couple guys, and I thought, well, I'll just help them. I don't need to preach. And Ross, of course, made me go do these meetings. You know how he's crazy. <laughs> so we get there to this one meeting, and uh, the news media met us when we got off the plane. I mean, they were, they were right there with the cameras and everything. They were just like, we're going to interview you. I said, man, don't interview me. Interview Ross. You know Ross. This is exactly what he did. If you know Ross, he went like this. He did Elvis Presley right there. He did his arms and his legs. He goes like this. He goes, I tell you what. He goes, he goes, I dare you to bring the sick. He did it just like a crazy person. He goes, I dare you to bring the sick, the halt, and the lame. Bring them. God will heal them. I thought, Ross, just ask them to come. Don't, don't freak them out like that. Because he got all shaky. You know, I dare you to come. You know that, that evangelistic deal? And I'm just, I just kind of turned my back and rubbed my head like, oh, my God. You know, because he, he didn't just say, come to the meeting. We'll have a good time. He goes, I dare you to come. God will heal you. Bring the sick, the lame, and the halt. So we got there Sunday morning, and I, I think I preached that Sunday morning. It was just horrible, flat as a pancake. It was, uh, terrible. I had a lady walk up to me and say, don't try to do this for a living. Yeah. I said, well, you're about the fifth lady to tell me that, so I get it, okay? I, I understand. So it was horrible. It was terrible. So we come back Sunday night, and Ross is going to preach, okay? He wouldn't come in for the meeting because the music was so bad. He said, I can't even go in there. I said, Ross, just come in. I mean, the music was tinga linga chinga binga binga you know, all about us. It was terrible. And, and you know Ross, he goes, I ain't going in there. I said, Ross, I mean, it's what he says, I'm not going in there. I said, Ross, it's your night to preach. Come in. We're there Sunday through Friday. I said, we can't start like this. We're, I'm not going in there. So, so I walked in, you know, and I'm w w waiting for Ross to come in because the music was just hideous, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm standing there wondering where Ross is. All of a sudden, have discerning of spirits happen. I looked up, two huge angels standing right here. About nine, ten feet tall, looked right down at me just like this. I looked up at them, and I just stuck my head. I thought, okay, this is interesting. I, I looked up, and they're standing right there, looking at me so purposeful, just staring at me, like glaring at me. I'm like, oh, wow, of all the times for Ross not to be in here, I'm staring at angels. This is freaking me out, you know. So I, didn't, I thought, I won't bother them as long as they don't bother me. I don't know what to do, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Ross comes walking in. He goes, you got anything? I said, nope, nope, don't have anything. It's all over you. It's all over you. I said, preach, buddy. So he got up and began to preach, and the Holy Ghost uh, said while he's preaching, those angels had come to deliver a woman a new heart. I thought, well, that's cool. Somebody's going to get healed. Amen. How cool is that? Ross finished, and he didn't call that out. He says, Joe, you got something? I said, well, yeah, there's somebody here. You got trouble with your heart. This lady got up came walking down. She looked like she's going to die before I could pray for her. Congestive heart failure. I told her the Lord redeemed her 2,000 years ago. I said, Lord, thank you for healing her right now. She falls out of the power, gets up vibrant, goes back to her seat. Ross gives the altar call. That lady and her entire family got saved. So she gets healed and saved. Now, that was cool. That was Sunday night. How, how neat is that to get born again and get healed at the same time? Monday, she goes to the doctor. She goes walking in the doctor's office. And uh, he goes, wow, what happened to you? She goes, I went to this crazy church service. And she said, I got healed. And she, he goes, well, I'll be the judge whether you got healed or not. Did an EKG, did another EKG, did another EKG. And he, she said, I'm not paying for this. Yeah. And he said, the, the doctor said, you have the heart of a 17-year-old. Okay, that was, that was Monday. Come Wednesday. You know when you have visitors come, you want a calm service? We had circus church on, on Wednesday. It was, it was doo, 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 flying young man on the trapeze. And, of course, the news media was there on the Wednesday circus church meeting. So um, 
wine. They had heard about what happened. This doctor called the news media. The doctor said, I got a, I got, I got a miracle that happened with this lady. She, she's going to die. I'm, she's on a transplant list, and she's got a brand new heart. So come Friday, you know you have your big foyer there as you come in. Ross and I walked in there. There was people everywhere with candles, crystals, incense. One lady brought me a purple amethyst. I'm like, what in the world's going on? They would not let us in because there were so many people packed into the foyer. I said, no, we're actually supposed to speak. Like, we don't care. You're not, we're, I mean, we're just packed out. The, the paper came out that afternoon in the newspaper. Angels bring woman new heart. Christ redeemed her from the curse of the law. There's... So, so that night, all these people, Ross preached a salvation message. They all ran forward and gave their life to the Lord. Radical. More than any meeting I've ever physically been in, all because of one miracle. Well, was it great preaching? Like, Shambach, my God. No. Lady told me don't try to do this for a living. So it wasn't great preaching. Ross set the tone with his authority. You set the tone every day for all the words you've heard. He set the tone. I dare you to come. God will heal you. So what, what are you setting for right here before we leave? This is why we're supposed to preach on this. Uh, what, what do you look like right before the rapture yeah, of the church? Yeah. Are we a weak church? Are we a victim church? Are we a victor church? Come on, most of the church today is like, I'm kind of a victim. <laughs> no. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, 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 no. No no, whining, no crying, That's no right. victim. That's right. Victor. That's right. Amen. Amen. So he set the tone. By, by daring them to come. There's something about daring people to come, man. It's just, wow. So here, here, here. What, what are you thinking for the remainder of this year? I mean, we're, we're in November of 2021, getting ready to go into 2022. What, what are you going to say about your church? What are you going to say about your life in 2022? Set the tone for 2022 being the most radical, heavenly year you've ever had. To where there's such a, an awareness of who you are in Christ, an awareness of where you walk, an awareness of what you're doing, that everywhere you go, you're His hands, you're His eyes, you're His feet. Yes. That's what the whole early church started like. That's what it will finish like. Right. Let's don't right. view this from the stands. Let's be in the middle of the game. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There, there's something about that kind of boldness that brings the miraculous. Yeah. You know, I'd had gift of faith happen a lot of times where you'd be in a meeting and one of the times was Charleston, Illinois, Ross's old hometown, you know. And uh, Ross and I were doing a meeting, and uh, there was a woman that came down. I said, there's a woman here. You have a growth in your chest. She comes walking down. Ross is holding the microphone for me like this. I'm getting ready to pray for her in ordinary faith. And the Holy Ghost said, tell her to take off to the bathroom and pour water on that growth, and it'll disappear right in front of her eyes. And she looked at me like a frog in a West Texas hailstorm. She goes, What? And said so that special faith is on you. I said, lady, you go to the bathroom right now. Take a lady with you to witness it. It'll disappear right in front of your eyes. And Ross went like this with a microphone. I'm standing right there. And he, he's holding the mic for me. He goes, in my ear, he goes, oh, my God, there goes the budget for the meeting right there. Because, <laughs> so, see, that special faith was just on you for a brief moment. And then it goes off. And I went, oh, my God, I just told a lady to go to the bathroom, pour water on herself. That's crazy. She came back through the side door. Her name's Ramona. She's a, the prayer lady from the church. She said, I poured water on the growth, disappeared right in front of my eyes. So I can tell you hundreds of stories about special faith. I mean, just radical. One of them, I was in Memphis, and I'm, I'm going to show you why I'm preaching on this, and I'm stopping right now. Watch. I'm in Memphis. It's kind of an amphitheater church. There was a young lady, about 17. I said, there's someone here. you got arthritis. I thought it was an elderly person. The little girl over here, she waved her hand and said, it's me. I walked over toward her. She goes, she goes, I don't want you to pray for me. I'm like, Wow. 
Well, all of a sudden it came on me, special faith. I said, it's okay. You can get mad at God. You can curse God. I don't care. You're getting healed tonight whether you like it or not. Now, that's not ordinary faith. Ordinary faith would say, I'm glad you came, but you kind of need to be receptive. <laughs> so I said, you're getting healed. Then I had a word of knowledge that there was a lady in a car wreck, hurt her shoulder and her hip. She came down. Now, the church was kind of an amphitheater church like this. So this lady with the hip and the back and the uh, shoulder damage comes down on a walker. So she stands right in front of me. Man, I feel that come on me, special faith. It's a knowing from heaven. All of a sudden, I'm authorized in her life for just a moment, and I know for her. The Lord said, tell her to take off running, she'll be healed. She looked at me like, are you crazy? She kind of blinked her eyes like that. I said, take off running right now, and you'll be healed. She got her walker, started going up the hill like this, going up like that. Got up to the top of the hill, and while she got up to the top of the hill, the 17-year-old over here goes, oh, my God, it's going all over me. I'm healed. Meanwhile, this lady with the walker, Came around the side part of the thing, walking down the downhill like this, had the walker in one hand and the brace in her back. It was on her back like that. And I said, Lord, I like that special faith, man. That's radical. He said, if you'd be bolder in your ordinary walk, <laughs> you'd see more of that. I'm, I'm a word guy, so I said, give me scripture and verse. Took me to Acts 3, took me to Acts 9. Who was using special faith? Peter. Not Luke, not Mark, not Matthew. Peter. What's Peter known for? The only one to get out of the boat and walk on the water. That's that thing I'm talking about with Ross, daring them to come to the meeting. It's a platform for the miraculous. So if you, you've got all this authority, could you imagine Clint Eastwood? Hey, I dare you to come to the meeting. No. No, no, no. There's, there's an attitude about it. Not weirdness, but confidence in God. Hallelujah. So God set your life up. It'll, that kind of daringness not only sets the tone for your life, it sets a whole platform for your whole church. Yes. Thank you. That God can do things in your church He can't do anywhere else. That's right. You think of Brother Hagin saying there was one church I could operate like I was supposed to operate. One church out of all the churches he went to. And see, there's something about knowing God. Mm -hmm. mm. So you have all these people that come in and don't even know why all of a sudden they get healed. The last couple of years, I don't even hardly call things out anymore. People just start getting healed while I'm preaching on end times. Yeah. People start raising their hand. I go, what, you, what is it? Uh, I'm going in for a hysterectomy, and I just felt this heat coming on me. Uh, the other day, I had, had a word of knowledge for palsy. I'm in uh, uh, Corbin, Kentucky. The, the associate's mom was sitting by this woman, and the associate's mom said, Oh, my God, what just came on you got all over me. The girl gets healed of palsy. She's so freaked out. She was so freaked out. Went home and called her Baptist pastor at 1230 at night and said, I know God doesn't heal people anymore, but I got healed of palsy tonight. And the Baptist pastor said, Don't tell anybody, but I still think he's healing people too. Healed of palsy. So it's just an unusual time where we yes. are because the Lord's about to come back. Yes. And I, I know I, I skipped over a lot, and I know we landed on a little bit here this, this service tonight, yes. but he's authorized you. Yes. He's given you freedom of action. So speak about 2022. Okay. Decree about 2022. There's something, there's something about you'll have exactly what you believe and say. Set the tone for 2022. Now, now, I'm stopping right here. I know it's 8.33, so I'm going to shut up. So just listen to this. I heard the Holy Ghost say in meeting after meeting I've been in that there's going to be almost a sensation of special faith on the church continually right before we're raptured to where it'll be hard to get agitated. It'll be hard to get even irritated at your home. That things that come against you, and it was almost hard to even work up an agitation. I'm like, man, I like that. Yeah. Like such a knowing from heaven right. that you never get frustrated. That's right. Ooh, that'll go pretty good. Praise God. So now he's gone to preaching right there. Come on. Yeah, come on. Amen. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. You watch, you watch, Amber. There'll be, there'll be, there'll be things that'll come to you in the service. You'll start calling them out, and it won't be like, and it won't be like Brother Shambach. It won't be like A. Allen. You'll go. There's somebody here. You're, you have a, a swollen heart. The water around your heart's messing with you. And you'll call something out. You'll go. There's someone here. Your jaw got damaged in a car wreck, and it'll be just as calm as can be. It'll be while you're singing, while you're flowing with them, one thing after another. It'll be like a river, almost like a flood. You won't have to work it up. You won't even have to think about it. It'll be like a flood coming right out of your spirit. You'll see working of miracles. You'll see gifts of healings. You'll even see special faith. It'll make you dare people to do things that you'll finish and you'll go, oh my God, what did I say to those people? Amen. Amen. It's on, it's on your life. It, you're, 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 it's, you're marked out. It's a canopy on your life. It's a covering over your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Sure appreciate all of you coming tonight. How sweet of you to come. I know we have a lot of information. Let's just thank him for a second, and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, we just love you. We just love you, Lord. We magnify you. We glorify you. We thank you for this season just before we're raptured, Lord. We're, we're amazed at your love and your mercy. And you, you keep saying it to me just like this morning. Uh, drill it into our hearts how much you love us. Father, thank you for, for your love for every person in this room. Strengthen them, O oh Lord. Boldness for them, O oh Lord. To walk with you, to minister for you, to be your mouthpieces in the earth. We thank you for it. We thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen, amen. There, you know, and I'm not going to embarrass anybody because uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't embarrass anybody. But there's a lady here. You want to have a baby. You're not been, you haven't been able to have a baby. You're going to have a baby. 8.35 on November the 7th. 836. Remember, it's told you. You're going to have a baby. Devil's a liar. Pants on fire. Amen. If you don't want a baby, I don't think you'll have a baby. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And there's something, you know, uh, this may be super common, but uh, I've learned with words and all, I'll just call it out. you got some kind of alignment problem with your jaw, and uh, it even bothers you while you sleep. You sleep perfect. Perfect. Amen. I remember having a word of knowledge at Keith Johnson's church that someone had damage in their tongue. I said, you have no feeling in your tongue. And it was his wife, Tracy. Johnson raised her hand. She had some surgery. She said, I have no feeling in my tongue. Before I could pray for her, she goes, oh, my God, my tongue's coming alive. We ate jambalaya that night. She spit her food out in front of everybody. It was so hot, she had not been tasting her food since that surgery. Amen. Terre Haute, Indiana, had a word in all. I saw a gash on a kid's tongue, called it out. He came down. He'd been playing with a snapping turtle, stuck his tongue out, and the snapping turtle caught his tongue, ripped a V right down his tongue. <laughs> I saw that pastor just the other day. Wow. The Lord's so good. He just loves you. Just loves you. Loves you, loves you, loves you. And this other one is super common, but I really had this before I came in tonight. Whiplash. He's, he's healing your neck. I don't know what happened to you, but just take it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll be dismissed in just a second. I just want to thank him one more time. I don't want to, I don't want to miss a miracle. Lord, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. We honor you, we magnify you, we glorify you. Thank you for your kindness, Lord. Thank you for your kindness, Lord. We worship you. Your mercy endures forever. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Hey, 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Pa- Pastor Jennifer, your hands, something about your hands. I don't know, I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, when the hand of the Lord will come on people, that's the, the presence of God. And it's about your family with your, with your stance for your kids. Uh, what you're doing is you're, it's the hand of the mom that's been put on them. And you watch, it'll, uh, God will give you even new things for your kids. And you think, well, my kids are grown, they're getting older and older. No, there'll be some things the Lord will have you uh, that'll be the hand of the Lord, be the hand of mom coming on them. And the anointing that you carry, uh, that anointing will even increase on their lives. Amen. It'll be, it'll be cool. Not just with songs, but with anointing, presence, direction. Direction to where there's such direction that, that there's no, no deviation at all. Like, can you imagine being 21 and going, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. Where did that come from? Mom just laid hands on me like they did in the Old Testament. I like that. No mistakes. No mistakes. Amen. Amen. No mistakes. Praise God. Well, the Lord's so good. Thank you guys for coming. That's so sweet of you to come. I know you're busy. It's 840. Hallelujah. Let's thank him one more time. Praise God. Thank you. Some, someone's thyroid's being healed. Thank you, Father, as we worship you, their thyroid's being restored. Thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Someone, your, uh, your esophagus, uh, inside your esophagus, you've got some kind of damage. Really, I don't even know if it's, a, uh, it's not acid reflux. It's something different. It's a, a, a tension, a, 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 a tightness in your esophagus. Lord, thank you for taking care of their esophagus. Thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you they're healed in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Praise God. You know, I could tell stories literally all night about the craziest words of knowledge, and it's like, oh, my God, that's crazy. He just loves you. He just loves you. Loves you, loves you, loves you. Mm. I, I was in Pittsburgh. You think of Pittsburgh? The lady that started the church, the Lord said hemorrhoids. I said, I'm not calling that out, Lord. I'm not doing it. And, uh, and the Lord said, well, you're chicken. I said, okay, there's somebody here you got, I didn't want to call that out. And I said, there's somebody here you got hemorrhoids. The Lord had just told this lady, the start of the church, said, Joe's going to call that out. She was going in for surgery, and she'd been drinking all this chalk to have that taken care of. She said, Joe's going to call that out. You can put your pride down and come down to get healed, or you can go have your surgery. She got healed. This lady has gone with me to probably 20 different churches in Pittsburgh. She's about 80 years old. She goes, don't tell that story about me having hemorrhoids. I said, I'm not going to tell that story. But he just loves you. Amen. Amen. You watch, he's going to give you words of knowledge and words of wisdom for people. And you're going to minister to them. He's going to show you what's wrong with them. You'll go, hey, what happened to your shoulder? How do you know what happened to my shoulder? Right. And you go, can I lay hands on you and pray for you? Doesn't have to be weird. Doesn't have to be over the top. Real, real laid back. Anyway, praise the Lord. Sure glad you came. We'll, have, we'll look forward to seeing you again. Can't wait to see what all happens. I love your building. No telling what you have. You know, the helicopter pad on the roof. Pastor Joseph comes swinging, swinging in like Batman. Amen. Amen. I'm so blessed to be with you. What an honor to be with the, the family and with the church. Look forward to seeing you again. And thank you for taking the time to come tonight. We'll see you real soon. Pastor Joseph, thank you. Give Pastor Joseph a big hand as he comes. Glad you came tonight. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of his goodness, who he is what he's done for you and who you are in him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life he came to give you.